good. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Good morning, everyone. One of the air conditioners isn't working. It stopped working yesterday. So bear with us. At least the see you all in the house Amen. of the Lord Amen. this morning. If you have a, a tithe or an offering, you can put it in the offering box. This morning, we're going to talk about one of the Beatitudes from Matthew 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Amen. Now Jesus, when he started the Sermon on the Mount, he started with the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes give you a good idea of what the attitude of heaven is. Just what you can expect there, what the people are going to be like, what the souls are going to be like, what's going to be going on. And he starts out by taking the multitudes, and it says, seeing the multitudes, he went up in the mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. It says he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Amen. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Amen. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, Amen. for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Blessed are you that reveal and persecute you and say all kinds of evil things against you falsely for my sake. Amen. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For those persecuted like the prophets before you. This is the goal of our Christian life. I mean, this is what we're here to do. This is, this is our accomplishment. This is what we're living for. We're living in such a way and such a desire so that we see God. Amen. I mean, the, the idea is we want to see God. And if we see God, he will open a treasure trove of all blessings, not only for eternity, but also for the life that we have here and now. Amen. The key to open this treasure trove of blessings is a pure heart. It is the most central and significant of all the Beatitudes mentioned. 
You cannot have a, be poor in spirit without having a pure heart. You cannot mourn for things that displease God without having a pure heart. You cannot be meek. You cannot hunger and thirst for righteousness. You cannot be merciful. You can't be a peacemaker. You can't stand and be persecuted for Christ's sake without a pure heart. None of these things can happen without a pure heart. It's one of the most central principles of all Christian life. It's what we see in the Bible. It's what we discern. The heart. The matter of the heart. The human heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Mm -hmm. Amen. I don't know about you, but I want to see God every day. Amen. Amen. I want to see God all the time. I want to see God in, in everything that I do. I don't always accomplish that, but that's the desire of my heart, Amen. is to see God, is to be with God. Amen. I want God there every day. I want God to be my guide, God to set the path, God to guide me. He says, blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed, we know, means to be happy, to be content. Amen. But it also means to have the favor of God on your life. Amen. You have to have the favor of God on your life. Amen. The human heart at times re refers to your emotions. In John 14, 1, it says, do not let your hearts be distressed. You believe in God, believe in me also. Amen. What he's trying to tell you is don't be, don't be all consumed with worry. Don't be all consumed with fear. Don't be all consumed with anxiety. Don't let your heart get all stressed out over these things. Yeah. If you believe in God, if you find peace in God, if you find contentment in God, then God will bring you peace. You will have the pure heart. Sometimes your heart and the purity of your heart refers to your intellect. Looking at Proverbs 23, verse 7, it says, For he is the kind of person who is always thinking about the cost. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. Now, we all know people that all they're consumed about is how much does this cost? How much does that cost? Money is their, their thing. But he's talking about here, you know, I don't know how many of you have invited people out to the restaurant. You know, and you go out to a restaurant and you say, get anything you want on the menu. Ooh. And the next thing you know, they're ordering three or four appetizers, oh. ordering a bunch of different things. And you're sitting there going, why did Where's I say that? Where's the exit? You know, what's wrong with me? Because your heart was trying to be superficial and say, it's okay to get whatever you want. Yes. But you really didn't mean it. Not everything. Right. So that's what Solomon is talking about here in Proverbs. You say one thing with your mouth, but that's not really what your heart means. Amen. Yeah. I mean, think about it. You realize at times what we think about 
is important because it brings back to what you believe. If you're thinking about something, most likely that's what you believe. And what you believe will control how you behave. Yes. I mean, look at Daniel in chapter 1, verse 8. It says, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. What Daniel's saying is, I'm not going to follow the ways of man. I'm going to do what the will of God says for my life. Yes. And I don't care about the outcome. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. Amen. I'm not going to follow man. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, it says, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Now, Jeremiah is talking about these things that take place before your heart has been touched by the Holy Spirit. It's talking about your heart before you come to Christ. It's talking about your heart before it's covered in the blood of Christ. Amen. And it's talking about your heart before the blood of Christ runs through your veins. It's talking about your heart before you've been transformed to the power of the Holy Spirit. God knows these things. The heart is deceitful. I mean, there's an old saying, the heart gets what the heart wants. Mm -hmm. You know, and how many times has an emotion or or some desire of your heart led you down a wrong path, set you down in a place you really didn't want to be, have you do something you really know you shouldn't have done. The heart's deceitful. It lies to you. This is what Jeremiah's talking about. But you have the power of God with you. You have the blood of Christ running through you. You have the Holy Spirit with you. Remember when the prophet Samuel goes to Jesse's house to anoint David as the king. The first person that Samuel saw was Dan, David's older brother. He was tall. He was handsome. He was strong. He was muscular. Samuel took one look at him and said, oh, this has got to be the guy that God will have me anoint as king. Yeah. But the Lord says to Samuel, do not look at the appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For the Lord looks, for man looks at the outer appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Amen. I mean, how many times have you heard Oh, David was a man after God's own heart. Yet David was sinful. Mm -hmm. But he still had a heart for God. Yeah. In Matthew 
verse 5, chapter 15, verse 18. But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. And these defile them. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, Amen. theft, false testimony, slander. I mean, it sounds like what we accept in our culture today. It sounds like what's going on in society, and society accepts it. Our culture says we need better laws. We need better lawmakers. But the lawmakers don't live by the laws they make. It says we need more education to be more intellectual. But Jesus says, Woe to you teachers of the law, you Pharisees. You hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but the inside are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees, clean first the inside of the cup and the dish, then the outside will become clean. What's it saying? All you care about is what looks good on the outside. You see that all the time in social media. I mean, all people don't post bad things. They don't post things that are not good. They post selfies when they look great. They post this when it looks good. They post this, they post that, but it's all glamorous. It's all to put out some positive thing. That's right, we're supposed to put that. But, but it doesn't say, like he tells the Pharisees, clean the inside of the cup. Clean your inner, clean yes. your heart. Yes. Clean your heart. Your, your outward projection is going to be great. It's going to be exactly what I want it to be. Yes. This is what you need to do. I mean, if we want to see culture change, if we want to see society change, it's not laws. It's not education. It's we got to change the heart of man. Amen. Yeah. We have to be able to reach the heart of man and change the heart of man. Ezekiel 36 told us, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit within you. I will take out your heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues. And you will keep my judgments and do them. If we have the heart for God, if we have what God is looking for, if we have that pure heart, then obeying God will not be a challenge. It will not be hard for us. We will just fall into line Amen. of what he would have us do. Yes. Obeying him would be very, very easy. Amen. But we're constantly fighting with that heart of flesh. We're constantly fighting with our manhood, with our old nature. Culture doesn't need anything except an encounter with Jesus. Amen. What did Jesus say? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Amen. They shall see God. And I'm guessing all of you want to see God. That's why you're here. Amen. You want your lifestyle in such a way that you see God. What is purity of heart is not? One thing purity of heart is not, is purity of heart is not perfect. None of us are perfect. None of us have ever 
made plain to them that we're perfect. John, 1 John 1 8 says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. We are all sinners. We've all fallen short. The glory of God, the God has forgiven us. He has changed us. He has transformed us. And sometimes we've got to go back and get another trip through that transformation tunnel and have God work on areas of our lives. Mm -hmm. But purity of heart is living by the rule of God. Living in such a manner that our life is pleasing to God. Amen. Living for the purpose of God. Having a single-minded devotion to God. Purity of heart is a clean heart, pure, a heart devoted to God. Not the easiest thing to do, but it's what's necessary to get done what we have to do. Yes. We have to live a life according to the way that God would have us live it. Amen. In Psalm 24, David writes, Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Yeah, I mean, think about how many things you touch with your hands. Think what your hands do. You've got to have a pure heart. You've got to have clean hands. Who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully? He will receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from God of his salvation. Such is the generation who seek him, who seek the face of God, the God of Jacob. According to James, James says this, you adulterous people, do you know what, that friendship with the world is an enemy with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be friends with the world makes himself an enemy to God. <clears throat> now, you all know what adulterous people are. Yeah. But what James is talking about here is committing an adultery with God by going and having a relationship with, with the, the world. With the world, yes. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want you to have that relationship with the world. James considers that adultery. Yes. To say that you're a Christian, to say that you live the Christian life, yet you chase after the ways of the world. You want to be part of the world. He said that's not it. But here's the cure. He gives us this here too. He says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Oh, we've all had trouble with that. We've all done those things where we've acted in such a way yeah. that we shouldn't. Our flesh has gotten a hold of us from time to time. Yeah. And we've had to repent of it. Right. But yeah. drawing near to God, getting into the presence of God is the most important part that we can do. It says, purify your heart, and those with a pure heart shall see God. Seeing God, feeling God's presence in this place mm -hmm. is the most important thing we can do on a Sunday morning. Amen. We're all gathered here in one accord. Amen. 
lifting up our voices in worship, lifting up our spirits to God, purifying our hearts to worship him. That's what God's looking for. God, when he spoke through the prophet Hosea, said in chapter 10, how prosperous is Israel is. A luxury and vine loaded with fruit. But the richer the people get, the more pagan stuff they build. As he said, the more that I bless these people, the more they go and build pagan things to worship. You know, you get blessed with extra money, you buy a brand new car. Then the next thing you know, you're spending Sunday morning out there waxing the car instead of coming to church. <laughs> God would just as soon take the car away. Oh boy. <laughs> but this is this is what they're trying. Hosea, God is saying through Hosea. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I give them a blessing, I give them this great crop to yield, and then they go out on the day on the Sabbath. And they harvest it instead of coming and worshiping me. He says the more bountiful their harvests, the more beautiful their sacred pillars. Remember they're building all those Asher poles and they're building all these idols to bow down and worship. God is going, I can't believe this. I bless these people and they're building idols to a, to a cow. You know what I mean? I don't know. He said the hearts of the people are fickle. There he goes. They are guilty and must be punished. The Lord will break down their altars and smash their sacred pillars. God's not going to put up with it. If God's blessing you and you're not praising him and worshiping him and spending time seeking after him, he's going to stop blessing you. He can easily take away anything he's given you. Anything. I mean, there isn't a one of us in this place that can't use a more powerful touch of God in our lives. There isn't a one of us. Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Mm -hmm. Love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That's basically with everything you have. Love the Lord. He says, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore the eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. <clears throat> so what's he saying? If you're looking at the right things and you're doing the right things and you're seeing the right things, you're going to radiate light. But he also says, no man can serve two masters. That's right. Make a choice. For either he will hate one and love the other, Hmm. Or else we hold to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and man. If money is your idol, then God isn't. 
Mm-hmm. If your car is your idol, if your clothes are your idol, if whatever is your idol, if you're your own idol. Yeah. <laughs> me, me, me. Yeah, it's all about me, me, me. And, and we all know people that are like that. I know. And we've seen people like that. Yep. They build an altar to themselves. You just can't serve God and have that. God has to be number one. Yes. Yes. Amen. He has to be number one. Yes. In Philippians 3, Paul says this. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind Mm -hmm. and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul understood what it takes. He understood that he had to press forward that not every day was it going to be like lollipops and butterflies. There's going to be some struggles. There's going to be some storms. But we have to keep our eye on Jesus. We have to continue to move forward. And it starts with our faith. Our faith. It's our faith, it's our trust, it's our belief in Jesus that will change our heart. Because we have a tendency at times to slip back in and put more faith in ourselves than we do with God. We start to micromanage. There's something we want, there's something we desire, and if God isn't getting it for us quick enough, we start to try to do it on our own. That doesn't usually work out well. I mean, every one of you can think of examples in your own lives where you've tried to do something on your own or control a situation where you should have given it to God. That's right. And it just didn't work out for you. Oh, yeah. So we have to put our faith and our trust in God and in Jesus and what Jesus did for us on the cross. He suffered and was crucified for us. In Acts 15, it says that God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, speaking about the Gentiles. Just as he did to us, being the Jews. And he made no distinction between them and us, having cleansed their hearts by faith. So God is saying, I'm willing to give them the Holy Spirit. All they have to do is come to me in faith. Come to me in trust. It doesn't matter who you are. I mean, you remember Saul, the one that went around and killed all the Christians. Took it as his own duty to kill as many Christians and believers as he could. And then one day he's walking down the road on his way to Damascus. Mm. And he has a powerful encounter with Christ. Wow. I mean, he had a life-changing encounter with Jesus. So powerful that God even changed his name. He changed his name from Saul to Paul. 
Jesus totally transformed him on a walk. So he can do it to you. If you're not giving God all the heart and you're not hungry and thirsty for him, you're not going to get filled. And then you can wonder why this doesn't work and that doesn't work and why you're still seeking this and seeking that because you haven't surrendered it to God. I know when I was single and I was praying for a wife, it took five years before God answered that prayer. Oh, All right, Rose, you're a five-year term. <laughs> my prayers to end my addiction, my surrender to God took a total, total surrender. I had to get on my knees and tell God I would serve him for the rest of my life. Before I had that encounter. Amen. You want God, you've got to be hungry for it. Amen. Jesus can change the heart of man. Amen. One thing we need to do is confess and repent. 1 John 1 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God tells us, hey, I've forgiven your sins. I've cast them into the deepest depths of the ocean. I remember them no more. Amen. Why do you remember the sin of your brother and sister against you? If God isn't remembering your sin, you don't need to be remembering other people's sin. If you've forgiven them, let him go. But we all have a tendency when something comes up. We start digging deep. We start reaching into that ocean. And start, oh, I remember 10 years ago you did this. I remember five years ago you did this. Remember the day you called me this? Remember the day you said this? No, I don't. We need to let that stuff go. Yes. If God's forgiven, you move on. Amen. Another thing we need to do is we need to hear the word and obey the word. How hard is that? For some people, it's very difficult. For others, not so much. It says, sanctify them with the truth. Your word is truth, talking about the word of God. In Ephesians 5, 26, it says, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by washing of the water and of the word. God cleanses the body of Christ. In Psalm 119 it says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to the word of God. How can you stay pure? How can you continue to live for God? You've got to stay in his word. You've got to continue to go after his word. You have to continue living in his word. In James chapter 1, it says, Do not merely listen to the world words so you deceive yourself. Do what it says. Amen. I mean, you think that would be common sense. 
You know, you read the word of God, it says, do this. And you do it. That's all. Just do what God says. But we tend to not want to do that. We want to do things our way. Because we've created such a universe for ourselves. <laughs> I mean, we are the great creator. I don't think so. I haven't seen any of you. If you're great creators, go out there and bring me up a human being out of the mud of the earth. Make a tree grow right there. Fix the air conditioner in the bedroom. <laughs> we have to we have to learn to worship God for who He is. Isaiah six three says, and they were calling to one another, talking about the seraphim. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Not just part of the earth. Not just the earth that your neighbor lives in, but not the earth that you live in. The whole earth. And then he goes on and says, it's all over, Isaiah said. I am doomed. For I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips. I live among people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king. I've seen the Lord of the heaven's armies. And then one of the seraphim flew to him with a burning coal taken off the, the altar with a pair of tongs. And he touched my lips and he says, see this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. It's the same thing Jesus accomplished on the cross for us. My blood has covered your sins. My bones have been broken for your iniquities, for your transgressions. Trust in me. Thank you, Lord. And then we need to pray. We need to ask God. David says, Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew the right spirit within me. We used to sing that song. Create in me a clean heart. Teach me your way, O oh Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Unite my heart to fear your name, O oh Lord. This is what we need. We need to persevere. Rejoice not over me, O my enemy, when I fall. I shall rise. When I sit in the darkness, the Lord will be my light. Amen. We have all been resurrected. We all walked out of that tomb on Resurrection Sunday. We just followed Jesus right out. We are new creations in Christ. As Brother Caesar said this morning, purify my heart, O Lord. Purify my heart. Amen. 
We need to know to anticipate. We know when he appears, when we see him in heaven, Amen. we should be like him. Amen. We shall have glorified bodies. We shall be just like Jesus, transformed totally into the likeness of God. Totally. Something we can't accomplish here on earth, something we struggle with. But our sinful nature will be totally gone. We will be a totally new creation. A new creation in Christ. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Amen. 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 Let's stand. God wants each and every one of us to chase after him. To want to be more in his presence. Amen. His presence is powerful. His presence can do great things. Amen. I mean, if you look, if you read, the guy that wrote Amazing Grace was a slave trader. Mm -hmm. Captain of a slave ship. Others of us have had a past that was dark, it was in the world. We have an old, we have a new. But we need to learn to trust God and put our faith in Him. Because it's our faith in Christ that makes all the difference. It's our trust in the Lord that the Lord will do the right thing. You know He will. So why are we so hard-headed when it comes to surrendering to him? Why can't we say, Lord, yes, blessed are the pure in heart. I want a pure heart because I want to see you, God. I want to see you, God. Hallelujah. Blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall see God. You need prayer this morning for any reason. The altars are open. Don't leave in a different with something burdened on your heart. Jesus said, cast your burdens upon me. Cast them upon him. It's a good time to release and let everything go to the Lord. Hebrews 12, 14 said, strive for peace with everyone and for holiness without which no one will see the Lord without holiness you will not see the Lord without a pure heart you will not see the Lord give up the worldly things they're not that important they're just not that important 